Good morning. It's good to be here. And uh, boy, it's, uh, you never know what can happen in a day, do you? Someone has wisely said that into every life some rain must fall. And I enjoyed yesterday the men's breakfast as Roger gave a bit of his testimony. That was really great. And every one of us here this morning has a story. And every time I hear somebody share a testimony, it's exciting because one thing stands out to me. God is faithful to his people. And everybody sitting here today has a story. Some of your, your journey's been longer than mine. A mere 42 years is a very short journey. But for some of you, you have a, a long story of your life. And that story is your testimony. Yours is different than anyone else's. And there are no doubt exciting things that have happened, things you can remember and things you can't. But there's no doubt things that you look back on and, then you, and God wants us to look at the, what he has done in the past and trust him with the future. So this morning I want to do a chalk drawing for you. It's actually one of my favorites and perhaps one of the most requested and uh, we'll see if we can do it for you today. Um, since the Garden of Eden, life has been a struggle for the human race. God, if you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into the world and suffering and pain. And folks, 99.9% of our population worldwide at this very moment is living in some kind of pain and suffering. And it's either caused by sin, disease, consequences, or just life in general. It can be emotional pain. It can be physical pain. What's unique about our stories, in unique stories, is that we've all undergone stress and pain and suffering in our life. And that's overshadowed, hopefully, by victory in Christ. Today we have a population that has to live on medication because of the suffering. People have devices or vices that they have because they've, they've, they're trying to cope to get by. They're stressed. Did you see how Hawaii was stressed yesterday? Boy, they freaked out, didn't they? What would you think if you got a text like that on your phone? It's amazing how much turmoil is in the world. Don't turn on the news. It's really, it's really depressing. When a child is born, he goes to school, you get to kindergarten and the other kids tell you, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're dumb, your math is bad, or you're, you can't read very well, or you stutter. And kids begin to pick on other kids, which adds to that, adds to the pain that we go through. You see, God created a perfect world. When sin came in, it messed up everything. Brothers grew up together, Cain and Abel. One killed the other. Adam and Eve used to get along, and now they need marriage counseling because it's all her fault, that whole fruit thing. And so there's all kinds of troubles, and it got so bad that God said, I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. And God said, I'm not going to do that again, but one day I'm going to send a redeemer, and he's going to give hope to the world. There is hope this morning, folks. A lot of people tell you there isn't hope. It's just going to get worse from here. What about Generation X? We don't know what those kids are going to have, so we call them Generation X. What a, it's not very nice. 
I don't know what generation you're in. Maybe you're a baby boomer. But, but things have gotten worse. And boy, to make it worse, you get to work in the morning. People are all bummed out. Yeah, flat tire today. Folks, when I was preparing this message this week, my well went out on Tuesday. So I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to you know, have a good day, but it's kind of getting hard today. It's hard. Folks, it's hard to be upbeat. The people who are happy all the time, I, I, I've, I've learned to question them and go, do you have your head in the sand? Because the reality is it doesn't look real great, you know. My kids still need to be fed. I, I mean, the house has got to be clean. The dishwasher is broke. The water heater is out. I got to pack lunches for school. Or maybe you're retired. You say, my back hurts, my leg hurts, and, you know, I'm losing my mind, and I, I can't get up in the morning. And, and, I mean, if you are a pessimist, the world looks really bad, doesn't it? And then people who grew up without Christ, who live without Christ, they say, well, to them, death is almost a hope. It can end it all. That is just, and that therefore, the price of life and life in our society is cheap, you know? It's just, it doesn't, life doesn't mean anything without Christ. Folks, everyone lives with pain. And you say, well, you don't, we say things like, well, you won't understand anybody till you walk a mile in their shoes. I have a great deal of respect for you as a person because you have a story of things you've overcome. Maybe you were uh, born in a failure to thrive environment. Maybe you've been some, through some suffering in your life. Thank God you're here today. And that hopefully, the fact that you're here today, that has not affected your relationship to God. Hopefully you don't blame him. People have a hard time newly uh, becoming followers of Jesus to sort out, why because I'm a Christian do bad things happen to me? And why do I have to suffer? It's a great question. It's a question I'm still asking, and God has given me some answers I want to share with you today. Why does God allow pain and suffering, and why am I suffering today? Why was it so much work to get to church today? Why do I feel so bad? Why did I pour everything into my child, and then they have turned prodigal? They're not here today with you. Why did God allow suffering? Folks, I would like to say this to start with. Number one, God gets blamed for a lot of things that people do, right? I mean, if you do something stupid or somebody does something stupid, it's not God's fault. You say, why not? Folks, God created us with human beings as in, with intellect to make our own decisions. It's a great gift from God to be able to make choices, isn't it? That I get to choose whether I come to church today, whether I go out to eat afterwards, whether I follow God or not, it's a choice I get to make. God loves us so much, he gives us a chance to make the choice and gives us a decision. You can do what you want, follow me or not. There are some pain and suffering that comes in the world because of other people. Now, when I became a Christian, I thought, well, it's gonna be great because I'm young. 1983. August the 21st, we walked from the old church down to Walloon Lake, and we got baptized. My dad got baptized the week before, and I remember changing him. I remember walking down there, and all the people came around in their boots, and they were looking and watching. Of course, it's, it's public, isn't it? 
I remember. But somewhere I thought, well, if I follow everything and best I can and I obey mom and dad and I go to church and I read my Bible and I memorize the Bible and I try to do it God's way, somewhere someone had told me that everything would go well if I did. Let me ask you, is that the true gospel? No, will God bless you? Yes. But does that mean just because you follow the rules that there's not going to be pain and suffering in your life? Absolutely not. Why? Because we have Jesus, but you know what? We're not better than the next guy. Just because I spend time with God and I do right does not give me favors from God that make me better than you. You see? Well, how does that gospel work, that false gospel? Well, how did it work out for Jesus? Did everything right? Healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead. They put him on a cross. Didn't work out too good from man's eyes, did it? But God had a what? Plan. God had a plan. How about the Apostle Paul? He travels, he writes so much of our New Testament. And then he's beheaded for the cause of Christ. How about Peter? Day of Pentecost, preaches the gospel, gets crucified upside down. Didn't end great from the world standpoint, did it? But you see, folks, this is what makes Christianity, you know what makes it the greatest religion in the world? Is that for the Christian, the best is always yet to come. The suffering you have today will end soon. You will see Jesus eventually. The best part is going to be saved till last. No doubt the God that has been faithful in the past to you will be faithful in the future so we can trust him today. And the pain and the suffering you're going through now, God will give you the strength. Show me another religion that teaches things like God loves you just the way you are. He will give you the power to forgive, to love your enemies to give to the poor, to tend to the sick, to give your money to someone in need. With the joy of having peace in your heart, having a savior who walks with you every day, a God you can trust who never gives up on his promises. He will, he will stop what he's doing to tend to you and you and you and you and you all at the same time. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's actually been here in your shoes at one point, knows how you feel, and can help you through whatever you're going through today. That's the beauty, the most amazing part about Christianity. And folks, I don't know how people in the world do it without Jesus. I feel sorry for them. And so should you. Because they need to know. When difficult times come, look at what the Bible says. I have struggled with this scripture, but I'm going to have you go there. Romans 8, very familiar passage. Romans 8, and we will go to the famous scripture, verse 28. And it says that we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. That means if somebody does something to you you have no control of, doesn't mean God looked the other way. If you're sick and you just found out this week that you have cancer, God wasn't taking a nap. 
at some point, God will be glorified. And he can be trusted with your life. Now, don't look at me and say, well, Matt, I'm going to get mad at you when everything goes south because you're the one that told me about this verse. I didn't say it. God did. You'll have to take that up with him. But he wants you to be able to trust him when things go bad. And you can. Listen to what it says. Who have, those who have called according to his purpose, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestinated, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? When you have God on your side, there's a point where you, may, you don't have to understand. You know, well, a young child, when, when they come to me and say, Dad, I want to do this, I say, it's not going to work. Dad said, no. You know, they might like some explanation, especially when they get older. It's good to give your kids reasons why you do things or why you say no. But sometimes when they're three years old and you tell them they can't play in the street, they have to trust you because they don't have the intellectual ability to understand all of the aspects of your decision. Correct? God's the same way. In our mind, which is human, we cannot see the whole picture, the entire thing, so we have to trust one who is wiser and smarter, who knows every aspect of what is going on and trust his decisions the same way. That's why we call him our Father who art in heaven. Because we can trust him. Are you going through something difficult this morning? You do not have to understand it to trust God. Why, if you knew everything, why would you need to trust him? You see, God often reveals down the line why he let things happen in your life. If he hasn't, to some things, trust him on those that one day he will because he does not make any mistakes. You can trust him. The problem is we live in a world where we've trusted people and we've been hurt. But God is not a man who can be, be treated as a man. God, it is infinite wisdom, knows what's best and he'll never let you down. Raise your hand this morning if you've been let down by people. Okay? How many of you didn't raise your hand and aren't telling the truth? We all have. The thing about God is he will never, ever, ever let you down. And God's word gives us a glimpse into one bird that has created the awe and admiration of people all over the world and has been revered by every major empire since the beginning of time. We find this bird mentioned of which I'm going to be drawing about today in Exodus chapter 19. We'll go there this morning. Exodus 19 is the, what we call the law of first mention. The first mention of a particular subject in the Bible gives us an insight, an early insight of why it may be in the Bible. In Exodus 19 verse 4, we read this. Let's go to verse 3. Um, then Moses went up to God and called for the mountains and said, okay, let's skip ahead here. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
You all know the story of God bringing Israel out of Egypt. God says, I picked you up and I brought you up as an eagle and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey and keep my commandments, keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession, although the whole world is mine. God said, I'm going to separate you. I, I picked you up like a great eagle in your mind. Are you God's this morning? If he is, there are times when you yourself are going to need to be picked up. You're going to need to be carried. In the very first mention of this great bird, this eagle, it's mentioned that God picked up the nation of Israel. He can do the same for you. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 32 to find the second mention of the eagle. And then we'll begin our picture this morning. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 9. For the Lord's portion is in his people. Jacob is his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him in a barren and howling wilderness. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like the eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. That spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord led him. No foreign God was with him. Let's pray. Now, this morning, would you encourage your people today as we look into the life of the eagle? Because like that great bird, you want to carry us and tend to us in our time of need. Lord, this morning, there's people here from all walks of life, all backgrounds. And God, we all need you as your children to take us in times of need and meet our needs. We ask you to bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll get the lights on here. The eagle knows that while he lives in the mountain peak, he feeds in the valley. And we'll have our lights. He feeds in the valley. And while he lives in the treetops, his places of feeding are in the valleys. No doubt as you look at your life, you'll have two things that kind of characterize good and bad. You remember that day you got your first bicycle. But then you also remember the time when your dog died or a loved one passed away. The eagle knows that while he lives on the mountain peak, he feeds in the valley. In the valleys, no doubt in your life, you have high points and low points. The feeding in the life of the eagle takes place in the valleys, and nothing in the valley is wasted. You say, well, what do you mean, Matt? Well, the eagle will take a small animal like a rabbit, and he will even eat the meat and even eat the fur. It acts like a high fiber that cleans out his insides. Then that eagle will, will take the rabbit bones after eating the fur and take the rabbit bones and add them to his nest. The largest eagle nest in North America was found in Ohio weighing 2,000 pounds in a tree used by multiple generations of eagles for almost 100 years. And so as you look, you can see what that eagle has been through and what in these bones, it tells a story, doesn't it? It tells a story of what that eagle has gone through in that nest. Well, the large nest is where the eagle lives, but then sometimes there's a smaller nest where the mother eagle will lay two to four eggs when she begins to incubate. 
Now, what's interesting about the eagle is mom and dad share equally in the process of sitting on the eggs. And they, they, all of a sudden, they will hatch out reasonably close to each other. I mean, can you imagine a young couple of eagles having three to four ki- kids all at one time in one live birth? I struggle sometimes with single having my kids in order. But these baby eagles are born with their mouths open screaming for food. God said to the nation of Israel, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You realize when a child is born that they've got to be fed and educated and diapers changed. My wife informed me that we had 10 years of of perpetual diaper changing at my house because we had kids two years apart and we had five kids. That's 10 years of diapers every day. That's a lot of diapers. And the eagle is born with his mouth open screaming for food. And, and for shelter. And so mom and dad, it becomes their full-time job to take care of these eaglets. And in response, the goal is to one day see these birds in the sky because that's where they were intended to be. The eagles were used as hunting dogs for the ancient pharaohs. We've seen a major comeback of these birds in our country, and it is our national bird. Thanks to a nice vote down in Washington, uh, Benjamin Franklin would thought that the turkey should have been our national bird. And I've learned a lot of things about people. There's a lot of different kinds of birds in the world, isn't there? We have turkeys, we have chickens, we have ducks, we have waterfowl, we have, we have egrets, we have great blue herons, and all sorts of other birds I've met in my life as a Christian. How about you? I've met some buzzards. Buzzards only come around when there's something dead or something to tear apart which kind of signify, you know, the church annual business meeting or a time to eat, you know, or something to fight over. And then we have a rooster who sits up on top of the roof and crows all day, and he's proud of his stuff. And uh, you can check his egg basket. There's no eggs in there. He's just proud of himself. And then you have crows. Crows come around, and they like to eat dead things. The eagle, on the other hand, prefers live food. We have the greatest live food for our sustaining our body and our spiritual life is in that book that we brought to church this morning, God's Word. And the eagle will eat dead carcasses and carrion if there is nothing else available. But he still has to eat. And the prepared food is never as good as what you grew in your garden, is it? So the eagle prefers live food. And as these baby eaglets grow, they're getting bigger and bigger by the day. And mom and dad have to take a lot of time to teach them everything they know. When you see a bird up in the sky, it's fascinated people for thousands of years. It's, it's, what, it's what encouraged the designers of our airplanes and aircraft for the past 150 years that... To be able to copy something like a wing like the eagle that can carry three times its normal weight. But these eaglets are born with this down all over their body. Their mouths are open screaming for food. And they, they have needs and you would never think by looking at, at these funny looking creatures that they would ever create any awe and admiration from anyone. God found us in our sinful state. That's how we were. We were in a world where... We were overlooked. We didn't, our sin made us undesirable. 
And yet God came to us and freed us from our sin and gave us a new chance to live. Some of us have forgotten where we came from. I hope you haven't. I remember learning to draw, going to class, being in college and trying to get out of my class. In fact, quitting because I didn't have any art talent. They wouldn't give me my money back. So here I am. You see, well, you remember where some of you started from when you learned to ride a bicycle and you learned the basic things of life. And boy, now, you know, you'll run a big company or you work at the office and God's allowed you to do all sorts of things. Don't ever forget where you came from. We came into this world naked and we will go out with nothing the same way we came in. But whatever we do for Christ in our lifetime will last for eternity. That's a long time, isn't it? That's forever and ever. Eagle knows that as he's learning from his mom and dad and they bring the food in and they bring it in fresh every day, whether it be a rabbit or, or, or maybe uh, uh, some deer or another bird, is it, uh, it's, it's brought right to them. And then in, as a result, God expects us to take what he gives us. He brings us things. Sometimes we may not like the taste of some of the things God brings across our path, but God wants us to take each thing is coming from him. And then that uh, eaglet in response begins to grow. You see, the whole point of feeding this bird is that one day he'll get up and take to the wind and fly. That's the reason that that mother eagle does, eagle does what it does. And the dad, as they share equally in that responsibility, that eagle learns to grow. And in our scripture this morning, there's an interesting reference there about the eagle stirring up its nest. You see, there comes a point where these birds have to learn how to fly and mom and dad are wearing themselves out and it's time for Junior to grow up a little bit. As God said to you sometimes, you know, you've, you've been through the basics of Christianity. It's time to grow up now and be strong. We got a storm coming. And sometimes that wind will shake that tree and that mother will come and she'll place her wings around and cradle the baby eaglets inside. And you can hear them playing in there and, and chirping because they know that somewhere out there in the midst of the storm, mom has got everything under control and everything's going to be okay. Under his wings shalt thou trust, the psalmist said. Under his wings. And she reaches around and wraps her body around the wings. Everything's going to be okay. Might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but everything is going to be okay. Then the mother eagle does something very interesting. She will fly at the nest with her wings out and her talons to scare and frighten her young. Why does she do that? Well, she's hoping that they'll get scared and jump and flap around a few feet above the nest. Now, up to this time, the nest has been covered with the softest substance known to man, the down off the breast of the eagle. According to what the Bible's talking about here in Deuteronomy, which we now know, is as the eagle stirreth up her nest, the mother will stir up the nest, tear the down out, and leave nothing but the sticks and bones sticking up down below. You say, well, that's a pretty mean mom who would do that. I remember the first time my mom took all my toys and put them in a box, and, and we took them to some kids that didn't have any. And I learned to put my toys away after that. <laughs> or she took it clean the house, you know. 
And uh, so I had to take care of what was mine. So the mother eagle will tear up the nest and leave the eaglet in a situation where now he has to stand on his own feet and maneuver through the nest in order to keep for those bones and sticks from poking into him. And now he has to maneuver around. And some eagles, they have to be uncomfortable before they grow. People are the same way. We have to be put in an uncomfortable situation before we branch out and we grow as Christians. Then the mother does something. She'll throw this, sometimes even throw the entire nest over the cliff, which is pretty crazy because she's in one bad mood. And then, uh, then she comes back in the morning, and, but she leaves the baby eagles to shiver all night. Leaves them there to shiver all night long. Back in the morning, the mother comes back, and literally, she has done exactly what we find in our scripture today. As the eagle stirreth up her nest. And she comes back, and in the morning, she lets that baby eaglet for the first time cuddle up to her and climb on her back. And... He's cuddled before, but boy, it's extra special this time because now he's missed his mother all night. He's uncomfortable. He's big. She can't keep up with the need of food that he has because he's eating so much. And that it's time that that eagle learn how to fly. She scoops him up on her back, flies up to 2,000 feet or so, flips upside down and drops him off. And as he's falling down through the air, he's yelling, child abuse. Ah. And he's falling down towards the ground and mom says, put out your wings. He doesn't realize that his body already contains 7,000 feathers and he can fly. He just doesn't know it. Many Christians are that way. Someone has told him they can't. Someone that told him it won't be. It's impossible. It's worthless. You're not smart enough. And they never try. How many geniuses are in the grave today that could have amounted to something, but someone told them they were dumb. Someone told them it couldn't be done. Someone told them it was impossible. Someone told them no one cares. And that great eagle picked that eagle up and took him up for a sightseeing. Is it long for, amazingly, mom can fly faster than he can fall? And she skillfully maneuvers underneath this flying eagle, eaglet, catches him on her wings just seconds before he hits the ground and takes him up for another shot. It wasn't long before mom says, hey, hey you, put out your wings. What are my wings? She says, these things. These things? Oh yeah. <laughs> wow, I can see. This is beautiful up here. Mom said, I've been trying to tell you that. The Bible says that God sees not as man seeth. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. God knows what's going on. Sees it from every angle. And yet so many people never ever get a chance to get up and see the world the way God saw it all the time. That it's different from where he is. No, God doesn't often take away our suffering, but he gives us a different view of the scenery and shows us the way he saw it all along. No, it doesn't have to make sense for me to be able to trust him. I can trust him. I don't know what God's up to sometimes, but I know this, he loves me, he's proven it in the past, and he will never let me down. No doubt God has done the same for you. 
The God of the past is the God of the future. I can trust him with today. All of a sudden, that eagle looks up there and he says to his mom, I didn't realize how small my house was from up here. I thought that was a good view. I said, boy, it looks small from up here, doesn't it? That thing that you thought was so big and such a big deal, it sure looks small, insignificant from clear up here. And God says this morning, yeah, it is pretty small. It's temporary, it's painful, but from where I see it, it's not all that big of a deal. And one day you'll look back and you'll say, I'm glad I went through that because I wouldn't be where I am as a person. I wouldn't be where I am here today. Maybe you could say, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have been here today. I wouldn't have made it to Walden Lake Church. I wouldn't have become a Christian if God had been allowed some of the things he allows in our life. And he does it because he sees everything and he knows all. Sometimes the eagle, believe it or not, he has the ability to fly in high uh, altitudes. You say, how does he do that? Well, the first time I saw a bald eagle at my dad's house in the lake in, in the river in Boyne City, well, he was accompanied by some friends. No, they weren't real friends. There were a couple of crows and a turkey vulture. What I was surprised, totally shocked was that a bald eagle as he flew along in his grandeur, by the way, if you're an American, you could appreciate the bald eagle. If you didn't know that was our national bird, it is on your money as a reminder. But that eagle was flying along with these crows and one of these crows came up behind him and pulled out his t one of his tail feathers. Well, by the way, the one main reason that crows don't like eagles is they've been known to wipe out the population. Same reason why people put owls up in their yard. But this eagle, was, eagle was, was just going along and it pulled out his feather and that eagle did not stop doing what he was doing. He kept right on flying, which kind of fascinated me. Boy, with that kind of power, that kind of wings, by the way, an eye that can see a field mouse uh, five miles away and sweep down in the wind and get it and catch it without any difficulty, that's fascinating. Uh, an amazing bird. And a crow? Are you kidding me right now? And it came, that crow came by, but he just kept right on flying. Never faced him a bit. See, some eagles, maybe like you and I, we get discouraged about the crows that have pulled out some of our tail feathers, things that didn't quite go our way or ruffled our feathers, as some people put it. Just keep flying. You see, once that eagle can do something the crow can't do, and that is to look into the sun, close a small flap of skin over that eye, look directly into the sun, and fly right into it without any difficulty. Those other birds have to line up behind him or go somewhere else. Then there are times you say, well, what does the eagle do? Well, the eagle does what Isaiah 40, 31 says. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, the eagle has a renewal of strength. In six months, in a six-month period, the eagle will lose every other feather on his left wing and every other feather on his right wing. He doesn't molt like chickens do. As a kid, we used to throw chickens up in the air when they were molting. They just fall right down because they don't have the feathers. They're falling out. But the eagle has the ability to fly and do everything that God intended him to do 
without having his feathers falling out. That molting and every other feather on each wing in the six-month period. The next six months, every other feather that it did not lose in the first six months. God is an amazing designer. And God said, there will be times in your life that Isaiah 40, 31 says, well, you will run and not be weary. Maybe you just get back from a men's conference or the gathering or a ladies' meeting and you're so excited and you're just burning it up for the Lord and you feel good and you're praising Jesus. That's what I call mounting up with wings as eagles. And there are times for God that we run. God says we won't be weary. We run for Jesus. But then there are times that we walk. It means I'm still moving forward. I'm not mounting up with wings as eagles. I'm not necessarily running, but I'm walking and I'm making progress. If I'm not making progress, rigor mortis proves I'm dead. You got to keep moving. If your back hurt this morning, do some more exercises. If your spiritual life is hurting, do some more exercises. And so many people, when they get up to see the world the way Jesus does, they're amazed at the view, the freedom. There are problems down here. By the way, the eagle is free when he's in the air. On the earth, a coyote can get him, a wolf, a trap, disease, um, uh, telephone wires, electric wires. Everything that can hurt that eagle is on the ground. He's free in the air. God's given every one of us today an invitation to fly with him. And as Andy comes, let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? Or are you like that bird that's in a cage. It's hard to sing when you're cramped up. Sin will put us in a cage like that. You need to be free. God intended the eagle to soar. Sometimes the mother will line up and fly. And that eagle does a lot of flapping to start with. But he learns that there's a warm air rising from the earth called a thermal. Jesus mentioned the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3 was like the wind. That eagle simply holds out his wings and because he doesn't have to flap his wings, the mites that live on his body, when he flies up above the level of oxygen, completely relaxed where the oxygen is thin, those bugs die and take care of themselves. Some problems just go away when you're soaring with Jesus. How are you this morning? Do you know him as your savior? Today, if today's the day, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you're missing out on a great view. And when it's all over, folks, the best is yet to come.